Hey, what's up, guys? Episode five. We made it, man. Yes, sir. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Well rested, refreshed, ready to go. I wish I could say the same. Uh, I was up till uh, you know approximately seven thirty to eight this morning. I uh, woke up at about let me see, like I don't know. I want to say about two forty-five in the afternoon. We were set to record at around three thirty. So you know, I'd like to say you know I'm well prepared, but I'm uh, I'm a little tired today, yo. I like at a time that says three thirty-two right now. So I guess we're doing all right. Well, you know, um, Dylan, I just have one question before we start. Do you have a Gatorade on hand this episode? Actually, I do, yes. Sitting right by my alarm clock. Cool blue. It has not been opened yet, though. See, you know, I'm uh, I'm traditionally more uh, flavor. Yes, I have uh, one of those classic. actually down in the uh, in the freezer right now. Quite a staple uh, in, in, in my life. Um, Dill, you know, obviously, I don't know how many of the viewers know this. Most of them probably, they're our friends. We play football every Tuesday. I'm mm-hmm. hoping to start up soon. Gosh, but, I hope. Um, you know, we're going to have to invest in one of those Gatorade coolers maybe for next year. Oh, I totally next. agree, yeah. Uh, it's just, it gets a little hot out yeah. there. In the especially, especially if we're playing like a day like today. If you're uh, in the area here, it is uh, it's a pretty warm one out there. I was just out there uh, cutting some lawn this morning, and uh, I was pretty sweaty, actually. I, uh, I stepped out for just a moment right when I woke up, and yeah, you're right, um, there's not a lot of wind, no, which is interesting. No, which doesn't make it any better. I don't think the temperature, like when I just went out, it wasn't it wasn't like too jarring. It's not quite to that summer level yet, but definitely definitely not what we've had mm-hmm. uh, here in Michigan. Why don't you tell us? You know, we we have three topics, obviously. You know, what what is the first one? We're gonna All right, well, about? Uh, we're gonna open up today with some of the new rule proposals that are gonna be voted on. Uh, Thursday during the second round of the virtual owners meetings and then we will also be having a guest on which I will let you introduce and then uh, I'll let you introduce actually the rest of the episode all right so you know Dylan he we're, we're going to talk about the rule props right we have two of them to start um, but then we're going to be bringing on you know a friend he's played football with us and and like we were talking his name's Logan um, we're going to discuss riser and faller teams for the upcoming uh, season. And then we're going to be talking about like top five wide receivers of all time, continuing that series. Um, a couple weeks ago, we did quarterbacks last week, running back, and now we have wide receivers, but you know, Logan approached us and he, he recommended this topic, which was actually amazing to me. Riser and follower teams based on last season. Um, where do we think, teams will go will they go up will they go down we each pick two riser teams and two faller teams uh we'll bring him on to talk about that but but like dylan said rule proposals um dylan you know this is a little out of order from our notes but why don't you why don't you talk about yours first well uh this rule is actually very interesting i saw it back about a week ago it was before we even had this and this actually sparked this topic and it's the rule where they're going to talk about instead of having an onside kick, I don't know if they're going to keep the onside kick or if it's just going to be an option, but you can try to convert a fourth and 15. I believe I heard from your own 25 yard line, maybe your own 20. I'm not sure on that, but, um, and if you convert this fourth and 15, you'll get the ball at wherever, you know, you convert it. If you get an extra five yards, you'll get the ball at the 40. You could be closer to midfield and that could set you up for, if you need a field goal, I mean, 
where some of these kickers nowadays, 15 yards from midfield, and these guys can pop in 50 like it's nothing. And uh, I saw a stat. Actually, those fourth and 15s in game situations get converted a fourth of the time. And onside kicks, they did change that rule in 2017 where you can only put five players on each side. Ever since then, only 11% have been converted. So I don't know if this rule is going to pass. And I know you, as I can look forward into your notes, I know you love a good onside kick, so I'll let you debate the other side. Yeah, man, I love onside kicks. And and I think the biggest reason is, you know, Madden 11, I used to turn that game on, and, and instantly I would hear, you know, Drew Brees talking. But then but then you hear the 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 – the little snippet from that Super Bowl game, that Saints game, onside kick to start the second half. Like you hear that, and it's like, yeah, to hear that excitement on that stage, like there was something amazing about that. That was the, super, the first Super Bowl I watched, and it's like, I guess in that way, onside kick, so they hold a special place mm-hmm. uh, in my heart. I, and I mean, without that, the Saints may not have won that Super Bowl. I mean, exactly. And I mean, I don't know. Like we said, if they're completely saying, like, no team could just come out in an onside kick formation and try it. But I think if you add an option of a fourth and 15, honestly, what you're going to see is most teams will probably try for it. I mean. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, I'd rather have a fourth and 15 than an onside kick myself. If you're down at the end of the game, I mean, if it's from your own 25 type thing, you know, it puts you in a dangerous spot. But if there's a minute left, come on. I mean, obviously, if they don't get it, do they just do a normal kickoff then? Like, what? how does it work? Yeah, that Wolf did. I mean, that'll, that could be something that has been talked about through the owners, but they only let out the information about the rule. I'm sure if they do pass it, more will come out on it. But I was wondering, as we're talking about this here, uh, the onside kick rule change, if you're just joining us, um, I have a question. If you have a guy like a Tyreek Hill or a Michael Thomas or a Hollywood Brown, do you think that would put maybe some teams at an advantage? Do you see some teams like the Chiefs or Ravens using it more than, say, teams that don't have that speed weapon kind of a guy? Yes, but then what I think will be the, the thing, let's say Tyreek Hill's out there on the 4th and 15. Let's say you double up, triple up Hill. You have guys like Hardman on that Chiefs mm-hmm. team. And, I mean, you Kelsey have, can get down the field pretty easily. I mean, Exactly. And it's like I think guys will benefit from having that weapon because that weapon will take all the attention mm-hmm. on a play like that. So then I feel like guys with two weapons, three weapons, they're going to benefit the most. Um, and this could happen down the road if they do pass this rule. This could change, you know, drafting or free agency. Guys, you know, they could sign one guy just to put out there on oh, that for 14, sure. 15 kind of a play. So that'd be interesting to see if I do pass it. Um, definitely. We'll have to keep looking in and keep staying up to date with this rule change. I have one more, just a quick thing I'd like to say. They're introducing this thing um, about a booth judge. It's called the Sky Judge. Um, Dylan mentioned XFL did it. Um it would just help miss a lot of those calls, maybe um, help get more calls right. Obviously, we saw the freaking Packers versus Lions game last year where <laughs> Trey Don't Flowers even want to talk hit. about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it just – it made no sense. But after the game, they want to come out and say, oh, we were wrong, we were wrong this. But there's we nothing you can that. do about it. I mean, exactly. you can say you're wrong. It won't fix the result. That's what makes me so frustrated. 
you can come out and say, oops, my bad, but that's not changing the results on you. The only thing that will is a potential rule change now. And so I think the sky judge will be, will be like the last line of defense in a way. Um, You kind of, they, they'll, they'll provide that last like Uh opinion that last um, just minute detail that I feel like if, if we have a sky judge, It'll be good. I don't. Dylan. Dylan said he, he doesn't see it happening this season. Um, I honestly have to agree, but definitely in the next couple seasons, I think we'll see a sky judge. I think there. I think fans have been pushing this for a while, and even the owners have. Um, with that being said, I, I mean, there's so many calls being missed nowadays. I mean, and we're not just talking about penalties. I mean, pass interference. You saw how much of a disaster that rule was. They're going oh, to cut sure. that this year. I ha- I heard an NFL official say that they just totally blew that and they didn't know what they were looking at. So it ought to be interesting interesting to see what in this sky judge they look at. Will they just be looking at catch versus no catch? Or will they look at penalties or anything else? Oh, for sure. Um, I think you talk about like when, when the Saints got screwed, in my opinion, obviously, I think in everyone's opinion, oh, versus the Rams. You know, There's nobody, even Rams fans, I don't think can say exactly. anything about it. I mean, I mean, if you want to call Saints fans soft, I mean, come at me, bro. But um, the, you know, those type of calls obviously needed to be made. I think the Sky Judge will be the one who, like, if there's a Sky Judge, he's got to be bold and he's got to really, like, you know, really look at these calls. Could that mm-hmm. slow down games, Dylan, do you think? If someone is up in the booth, and they are also reviewing it really intensely. <laughs> Do you think it could slow down games at all? Well, I mean, it depends on the call. I mean, if we're looking at, you know, inside of two minutes, a one-score game, and it's a third nine, and you're looking at a catch on the sidelines for a first down, to be honest with you, they can take as long as they want on a play like that. But if we're looking at some ticky-tack penalty in the first quarter where it probably won't come down to the end of the game and that call won't matter – then I want them to take as soon as possible to finish it. I mean, they're going to have to set some standards just like they did when replay first came out, okay? You're going to have to set a certain amount of time limit, and these these calls are going to be watched. And if they're taking too long or if they're not overturning enough calls, this could be a rule that's only a year or two. I mean, I definitely think with, with both of these rules we just talked about, if they are implemented – um, I honestly see both of them being kind of like a trial and error thing, you mm-hmm. know. I see just like them, the pass interference was. I mean, yeah, obviously that that's been eliminated. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't last very long, but I mean, you know, you never know. I think honestly, Dylan, uh, that has brought us to the end of this first segment. I actually got one quick question for you before we you right, know, end the segment here. Out of the two rules. Which one gets passed and why? Out of the two rules, the Sky Judge gets passed because the fans have been pushing it. Um, I heard for years. Um, I don't know the exact number on that. But um, one thing I will say is I personally am not behind the onside kick rule. Um, I don't know who is. I mean, there's definitely got to be people. Um but it just seems more like the fans would want to see a sky judge rather than a fourth and 15 play changing an onside kick. I think if anything, owners would want the onside kick thing because it means they have a better chance. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I think the fans definitely want the sky judge. And the NFL is all about, I don't want to say keeping the fans happy, but they want money. So they want to yeah. oh, keep sure. people watching. So, I mean, I mean, opinion, hopefully that'll stop that. Uh, I've watched multiple in the past couple of days, just watching some YouTube, watch multiple compilations on Detroit versus everybody kind of calls. And I mean, it probably won't stop that because we're Lions fans and we know we've been getting screwed for, you know, whatever, forever. 30 years. And it's not going to stop. Uh, I don't see it stopping. Um, but, you know, something's going to go down where the sky judge was, you know, out of the room or technologically something went wrong. And for, you know, they'll come yeah, up with oh, an excuse. Sure. Or, or what I like to say is that they always come up with the brand new rules. They call them the lion rules. And oh, yeah, I know. That Calvin Johnson. One of those uh, things I saw in the compilation was that uh, play in the wild card game where we went up to Seattle. And um, I can't remember. I think it was Tavon Wilson or Quandre Diggs was getting his face mask pulled by the receiver, and he got the penalty when he was getting his face mask pulled. That doesn't even make sense. That was the most outrageous out of them, in my opinion. That I have never even seen that play. Uh, no? That, I no. can't remember what year wild card. I think Caldwell was still the coach. I can't remember what year it's it was. It's the one where Calvin Johnson, I think, got the ball punched out into the end zone. Like, I think that was a regular season. I know we lost, obviously. We haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. Ever. So. Barry Not Sanders was the only one, right? Yeah. Yeah, Barry Sanders, I think, was on the last playoff like, winning dude, team. Dude, it's been forever. Just just one home playoff game I would like to see. Just one, and I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe when we're 60. Maybe 70. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sitting in our rockers watching, you know. For real, dude. I want to be like the futuristic. I want to be like the dude from Up. I want tennis balls, like, on, on my cane and, like, stuff. <laughs> Have one of those walkers, and it's got the four tennis balls on the. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> All right, Dale. What, so you think the sky judge, or you think the onside kick would pass? I think the sky judge would work better, but I have a feeling that the onside kick will pass instead. All right. Well, I guess I guess it remains to be seen. I think that brings us to the end of this segment. Uh, why don't we just you know we'll go and bring Logan in. Bring Logan in, and uh, yeah. All right. Here we are for segment two of the day, back here with Dylan Al on the Dylan Al podcast. We are going to be talking about risers and fallers here with our guest Logan, and here he is. Hey, Hi, how's Logan. it going, boys? How's it going, boys? Good, man. Welcome. We're chilling. Thank you. Thank you. How's quarantine? What was that? How's I quarantine, fall man? Asleep. Dude, I don't know uh, what Dylan's saying, but oh my bad. We're talking at the same time. <laughs> Dylan, uh, Dylan uh, has a Gatorade. We always like to ask our guests, like you know, what's the go-to drink or snack you know that you have on hand most of the time? Uh, mostly it's probably Coke, but right now I'm sipping on a water. He's got yeah, water. It's, it's pretty warm out there today, so yeah, water is definitely the choice. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, we, as we like to ask our guests here, especially when they're first-time guests, uh, some favorite players and favorite teams you got? Okay, uh, favorite team is definitely Detroit Lions. Uh, okay. Second favorite team was the Carolina Panthers until they got rid of Cam Newton. But uh, still looking for that second favorite team. And then uh, favorite players, got to go with Matt Stafford. And then all-timer, got to go with LaDainian Tomlinson. Oh, for sure. Yep. Most definitely. He was on my, uh, he was on my running backs list. I think yep. he was number five. Um, now, obviously, Logan, you introduced this idea to us, um, yeah. risers and fallers. So we have to give you credit. Um, but, you know, 
we want to let you start. Obviously, people are here to listen to you. So, w- without any delay, how about how about you just jump into your first faller team that you have? Okay, uh, my first faller team is the New England Patriots. I think a lot of people might agree with this pick. Uh, in 2019, they were 12 and four and had a pretty bad loss in the wild card weekend to the Titans. But uh, that departure with uh, Tom Brady, uh, it's going to hurt them a lot. They don't really have a second option there other than Jared Stidham, who... Trash. Yep. I they agree. should go out and get him Newton, in my opinion. I mean, I've said Facts. it multiple times. Facts. I agree. I agree, too. I don't know if it's what Bill Belichick would want to do, though. Not really his kind of move. Uh, uh, also talking about the draft and free agency and stuff, nothing notable. Uh Bunch of filler guys, depth guys, nothing that you're going to say, oh, that guy's going to go out there and win him a couple games this year. Uh-huh. He definitely likes his Michigan players. I've noticed that. I do like the Michigan players for sure. <laughs> uh, strength is the defense. They're going to probably carry him to a couple wins this year. I don't know if it's going to be enough to get him back into the playoffs. Uh, I don't see him falling off a cliff like a lot of people are saying without Tom Brady, but uh, a good comparison might be the 2019 Chicago Bears when they had an elite defense, but were held back by uh, poor quarterback play. Trubisky will forever be trash. Um, yeah. They need to move on from that, man. That that guy worries Dude, me. How do you let uh, Chase Daniel play better than you in certain games? Hey, he like, beat the Lions twice. Don't don't knock on him. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, but that's, that's crazy, dude. Um, so, Patriots, you know, trash. I'm just kidding. Belichick, <laughs> he's just – he's cocky, man. Well, like, how do you mm-hmm. come out with this – like I never heard of this dude. You're telling me this dude is gonna be like elite, dude. He he was like a sixth or seventh round pick too. I mean, he's not top of the line. I mean, he's like a freaking Taysom Hill. Look, I love Taysom Hill, great athlete, but this dude, I mean, he's not a quarterback in my opinion. He doesn't look like he'll do it. Obviously, Tom Brady never looked like he had the build to be a quarterback. But Dill, wasn't it? You were talking stats. His stats are just trash, dude. For I mean. I think he had, like, four passes last year. He completed two of them, and I think he threw one for a pick six. Exactly. So, basically, the Patriots are going to be rocking with Nathan Peterman at quarterback. I mean, they might as well. (laughs) And, I mean, you know, Logan, you mentioned Cam Newton, man. Like, how is he still out there, dude? How? I don't know. I mean, there's not that many really big starting needs out there in the league right now. I mean, you could say Jacksonville maybe, but – they might be riding Gardner Minshew this year. I don't know. They might see what he has, but yeah, I think Cam I think Newton's... he's maybe waiting for that injury, maybe in training camp. I agree. Somebody goes down. Hey, I definitely see if Cam Newton is not signed at the start of the year, he will be on a roster eventually. I guarantee mm-hmm. it because you look at last year, Mariota was playing trash. You bring in Tannehill, and all of a sudden he hands off the ball to Derrick Henry, and you're good. But um, man, I just I don't really understand how uh the 2015 MVP could not even can't even get a backup role or any type of role doesn't make sense to me. And Belichick seems too cocky to sign him. Doesn't make um, any sense to me that uh they're riding with Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina when I think Cam Newton's way better than Teddy Bridgewater. Nothing oh, against better. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, but, for sure, yeah. But Teddy Bridgewater's more of a game manager at this point in his career, I think. Uh-huh. And, I mean. Cam Newton's the more of a difference maker than. Looking what For Bridgewater sure. did, I mean, and that probably got him the amount of money and the job he has now is what he did after Breeze got hurt last year. Yep. Led that team, I believe, 4-0. Mm-hmm. 5-0, I 
I think. Five and zero, because they in the first game I'll never forget. They went into uh, they played Dallas on a Sunday night, and he just went in there and just calm, cool, collected, got there, got a dub. Now the thing about Dallas last year is Dak Prescott lost the game to an zero and four Jets team. So I mean, really, what we're talking about is Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, Dallas no knock against them, but last season they definitely they were not <laughs> elite by any means. But I mean, like. Like you said, Dill, it was impressive that he could go into Dallas and not be even in New Orleans or anything like that and, and, and really get that win. I think um, I don't really see him being uh, the starter, though, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, the problem with me, I was watching first take. Max Kellerman was making the dumbest, the <laughs> dumbest opinion I have ever That's seen. That's what he does. I mean, he said, he, this is what he said, guys. He said, if, if Ted. Teddy Bridgewater was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They would be talking about them in the same light as Tom Brady and saying they could go and be potential Super Bowl contenders. You're talking about well, he's an idiot, exactly. so we, we don't. Yeah, like what? We don't listen to him. All right, Dill. No more just dilly dallying. Um, why don't we just let you do your first follower follower team right now? All right. Well, uh, first follower is going to be pretty familiar to our listeners that listened to episode one. We were. Uh, going pretty hard on the Houston Texans, and that's what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, with Bill O'Brien basically running his team into the ground with an end result of possibly being uh, Deshaun Watson, your favorite quarterback, Alex, being traded before long. Crazy. I mean, they lost DeAndre Hopkins. That trade still blows my mind to this Disgusting. day. They, re- they acquired an unreliable running back in David Johnson that can't stay healthy. And, I mean, they're in an underrated division to begin with. So I see them down there with Jacksonville in the three and four slot. And if it goes bad, I could see Bill O'Brien being without a job at the end of the year. I don't know how to no the job. I think he should be fired already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they should have fired him after the offseason. I, I mean, agree. But this definitely did start the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. No idea what he was thinking. Um, someone should check on that man. Uh, clearly, <laughs> drug abuse, something to that extent. Um, just, just disgusting, dude. He makes me disgusted. I think I'm going to get a, a dartboard and put his face on it, but I'm undecided. Um, okay. Fallers, I have the Titans. Um, they didn't improve. They didn't really improve enough in this offseason, in my opinion. Um, you look at who's in their division. Obviously, Jaguars. I like Gardner Minshew. I will say that. He surprised me. I saw the stat. I think I posted it on my Instagram story. He was, like, second in, in rush yards last year behind, I want to say, like, scrambling yards. Lamar, I think. Yeah. yeah. He was, like, 530 yards. Lamar might have had 600-something. Something like that. It, it was only, I want to say, a 90-yard to 110-yard difference. Something like that. But either way, I like Minshew. Is he the future? I don't know. Obviously, they, they could always still sign Cam Newton if they want to. Um. Colts, they bring in Phillip Rivers. They draft uh, the running back, what, Jonathan Taylor, right? They get yeah. Michael mm-hmm. Pittman. From Wisconsin, yeah. Um, T.Y., obviously, I don't think he's in his prime anymore, but still a solid number one guy there. Um, you, I think they lost Ebron. Ebron was only good one season. Yeah, Ebron went to Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was good one season. Trash on the Lions. We hate him. Steelers, <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they, they make some, you know, they can, they can maybe – bring him in and do something with them. But um, I just see the Titans last year. They finished at nine and seven. Honestly, I see them at like an eight and eight or a seven and nine this year, just based on 
division and 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 I know the AFC I don't think it's going to be as tough this year besides that um Chiefs division that AFC West but um Titans man I still see him I still see him just kind of going maybe a game a game down or just not at the same spot especially because um I don't think Ryan I no knock against Ryan Tannehill I've always liked him I just I just see him only handing the ball to Derrick Henry. And if you can get a team that can stop Derrick Henry, which obviously not a lot can, but if you if you can stop Derrick Henry, Titans aren't going to be the same. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're cross-division, I believe, because we the Lions play them as the NFC North. Yeah. And you look at they're going to have to play the Packers, play the Vikings. They're not going to beat either one of them. No, the Bears may And be, if but... the Bears can stop Derrick Henry, they're not going to beat them. So there's three You're losses right, right yeah. there. You're right. Um, I see – uh, Logan, you have you have right the Packers as a faller team, correct? Yep, correct. All right, staying with that, um, go ahead and talk about the Packers. Okay, so in 2019, they're three and 13, really good record, second in the NFC, uh, the whole NFC in the regular season. Uh, made it all the way to the NFC Championship game, got blown out, but they still made it there. Uh, they lost a couple key guys. Uh, Pardon me if I butcher his name, Brian Beluga, uh, Jimmy Graham, Blake Martinez. Uh, the other, the former two aren't that great, they're, but they're still better than anything else they have in that team right now. Uh, the real loss is uh, Brian Beluga. Uh, he was, he's one of the better mm-hmm. right tackles in the game, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a huge loss for him. Uh, and then one of the bigger offseason uh, topics was uh, the Packers going for uh, Jordan Love. <laughs> Uh, trading up to go for Jordan Love and how Aaron Rodgers would perceive that and how that might go over. I think there might be some dysfunction there with that, maybe some uh, resentment. Uh, they also got A.J. Dillon, which I really like, kind of fills out that number two spot at running back. Uh, free agency, they got Devin Funches. Uh, not really a star by any means, but he, he might fill out the position a little bit. Uh, their weakness is by far wide receiver death. I mean, other than uh, Devontae Adams and Maybe if you want to say Devin Funches, they don't really have absolutely anyone there. Uh, most of those guys would probably be the number five, six guys on most teams. Uh, and like I said, with spending the high draft pack on a quarterback uh, in a draft that had unlimited wide receivers to select from in every single round, uh, not selecting a single one, I'm not sure how – if they can get back to that 3-13 and 13 record with an NFC championship berth. Uh I see him fighting for a wild card spot. I could even see him missing the playoffs this season because uh, the NFC North is a little bit tougher this year with the Vikings, the uh, Lions improving, the Bears with Nick Foles might coming in there, might have a, a little bit of better quarterback than Trubisky. But, yeah, I see him falling to at least the second seed, maybe third seed in the NFC North. I mean, no doubt. Um, I was surprised looking at this 13 wins last year. I didn't even know that. Um only three losses. That honestly, it, they should have had four because we got screwed in Lambo. But that, that's another <laughs> another thing. Um, I'm pretty sure Brian Balaga. Uh, I saw him in the Pitch Perfect movie, Pitch Perfect Two. I think uh, that's all I know him from. Jimmy Graham. You know, has he signed yet? Does, do we know has he signed? Uh, I'm gonna look that up actually. Right. I know, right, I know he's been ahead. talking to a couple of teams. I'm not 100 percent sure if he signed yet though. Yeah, I don't think he has signed it anywhere yet. Here, hang on. Um, obviously coming to the end of his career now, I think he still has a couple seasons left. He signed a one-year deal actually with the Chicago Bears. Okay, okay, okay so uh, even now that adds a little more against the Packers. 
And because you add Jimmy Graham with, I mean, Nick Foles, say what you want. Um, I think, you know, the Packers, they, they will not be 13 and three. Like they will 13 wins is just not, they're not going to be there. Um, Vikings will probably outshine them. Like we're saying bears, lions, we'll give, we'll give them a little more of a challenge than we did last year. Um, yeah, their, their draft is garbage, dude. They're, what? What? I mean, it's like if you didn't have Aaron Rodgers and you didn't have Aaron Jones at running back, and you and you're a team and you draft Jordan Love and AJ Dillon, that would be like great, right? That would be like, oh my gosh, these are good picks. I like these picks for the future. But then you then you look. Aaron Rodgers has what two, three years left, and um. Aaron Jones has has a couple seasons left, and and they'll probably re-sign him if we're being honest. Maybe not now that they drafted Dylan, but like, dude, no receiver. They drafted a tight end, I believe, in the third round, who's comparable to a fullback. After losing Jimmy Graham, they draft a tight end who, like a lot of people, I just read articles that saying he was like a fullback. They had no fourth round pick, and they never draft a receiver. I love this pick by you, Logan. They're definitely falling. Dylan, give us your second faller team right now. I actually also agreed with Logan. I went with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, basically just piggybacking off what he said. I mean, other than Devontae Adams and Funches, who are they going to throw the ball to? They lost Geronimo Allison to the Lions. That was their third option. I don't know if Valdez Scantling's still there. And, I mean, that's the thing. And you talked about the tight end. That is a position in the NFL now that's not a blocking position, and that's basically who they drafted. But, I mean, obviously, like Logan said, 13-3 got crushed in the NFC title game, but I don't see them doing more than maybe 9 or 10 wins. They could slide into that third wildcard spot. That could help them out, but that's about it. Um, You know, I think the only way they make the playoffs is third wildcard, but I, I just see it highly unlikely. I just have one more team to talk about on followers before we get to some more positive things. The Rams, man. The the Rams, like, I'm telling you. It, it surprised me when Hopkins was just, you know, traded for, for dirt, right? Um, but then you release Gurley. The Rams, like the Rams, obviously, not the Texans. The Rams, they release Gurley. They don't even trade Gurley, man. They get absolutely nothing. So then it's like, obviously, the Hopkins trade is bad. For the Texans, they just get David Johnson. But they get David Johnson. The Rams are so dumb. They released Gurley with nothing. No, Nothing. I mean, disappointing season, in my opinion, last year after being in the Super Bowl the year before. Obviously, the most boring Super Bowl ever. I don't think anyone will, will, will argue with that. But... I'm telling you, I just think looking back, we're going to be like, what the heck went wrong? You have Sean McVay, young coach, comes in, completely flipped that Rams team. I remember he completely flipped that Rams team from absolute garbo to all of a sudden they are Super Bowl contenders, and then they're in the Super Bowl. And it's like, that's awesome. But then you you, you come out, you give us nothing but awful jerseys, you release Todd Gurley, and you expect us to think you're going to go more than nine and seven? Mm-mm. I see eight and eight. Honestly, I think they might even do worse than that. I could see, if I'm being bold, six and ten based on the division they're in. We're going to talk about Cardinals. Like you said, that's a yeah. tough division. I mean, with 
Arizona's improving. I'm going to be talking about them in my risers. And then obviously the, the big heads of the division with San Francisco and um, Seattle. And, and 49ers really did not regress in any way, in my opinion. Seattle, I don't think they regressed in any way, in my opinion. No, they're losing Clowney, yeah. And Clowney's still out there. If they want, they sign him again. I don't know why they didn't, if I'm being honest. Um, but, man, the Cardinals are improving. What, like, what are the Rams doing? Why? Why? I'm going to look – we're going to look in a few years and think, like, this is the most baffling thing. You make it to the Super Bowl. Yes, it was boring, but you made it there. Then the next season you go 9-7. and seven, And then I think this year we're looking at, based on the division they're in, based on the division they're in, a 6-10, and 10, even 7-9 and nine type season. Um, yeah. Why don't we move now let's, to risers? Uh, get to some positives yeah, here. And uh, Logan, let's give uh, give us your first riser team that you got. Okay, guys. Uh, you might call me a homer for this one, but I'm gonna have to go with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Facts. Three and three, twelve and one last year. Last can't get much worse than that. North, I agree. Uh, they did lose Darius Slay, Graham Glasgow, two huge losses. Uh, Graham Glasgow probably their second best offensive lineman last year behind uh Ragnow. Uh, Darius Slay, by far the best player in the defense last year. Oh, for sure. Uh, at least they traded him and got a third-round pick. Not much, but at least it was something. Uh, they had a couple of nice – they had a pretty nice draft. I loved their draft. For once, I walked away from dressing. They had a great draft, and I don't have much complaints. Uh, with Jeff Okuda, might have gone Simmons, but I can't complain about Okuda. It was a need. And then uh, DeAndre Swift fills out the running back spot. on Johnson been hurt the last couple of years. Helps you out. If he get, goes down, you have the next man up. Uh, and a free agency, they got Jamie Collins, Desmond Trufant. Uh, again, not really big stars, but way better than anything they had on that team last – or I wouldn't say anything they had on that team last year, but fills out the second cornerback spot and uh, helps our very weak linebacker core. Uh, weakness is still the defense. Uh, didn't add anything up front. Uh, linebacking core, question marks there. And secondary is pretty well-rounded. Uh, doesn't have the star of uh, Darius Slay, but it's a lot more well-rounded and spread out throughout the field. Uh, the big reason why they went 3-12 and last year was injuries. Matt Stafford went down pretty early in the season last year. Uh, if he doesn't go down, they most definitely have more than three wins at the end of the year. Uh, Kenny Galladay went down. Marvin Jones went down. on Johnson went down. They had just injuries all over the field, and uh, – as long as Stafford stays healthy this year, I, there, there's no chance they win only three games. And uh, I could even see him having a top 10 offense this year and competing for a wild card spot. One guy mm-hmm. I really like I mean, before I let you talk, though, um, Cephas, we had him at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't think he'll be in. But, you know, he was a draft standout, in my opinion. I think you're right. We have Galladay Jones. Um, we have Allison from the Packers. We have, we have, we have great depth at wide receiver. Um, Matt Stafford, if he's healthy, great. And now we have Carrion, we have DeAndre Swift, and we also drafted Huntley. Running back depth is there. I see this offense doing, you know, top 10 in production as long as Stafford's healthy. Go ahead, say your piece, Dill. Even uh, Stafford, what you were saying about Stafford being healthy, I mean, he was on an MVP type of a Mm -hmm. pace through the first four or five games. And that's the thing that we've been talking about as Lions fans for years. To get to 10 wins, you know, whatever that goal may be to get to the playoffs, we need Matthew Stafford for 16 games. We need 
weapons around Matthew Stafford for 80 to 90 percent of the season and we need those guys behind the stars to step up if somebody gets hurt and that just never happens it seems like I agree um Dylan why don't you go ahead right into your first riser team let's not waste any time all right well uh, as I mentioned earlier I'm gonna be talking about the Arizona Cardinals 5 10 and 1 last year I believe they finished last place in that NFC West under rookie coach Cliff Kingsbury, and then obviously with the number one overall pick last year in Kyler Murray. Rough beginning to the year, 0-3-1, obviously had that tie that in their eyes probably could have been a win against the Lions to open the year, and then lost three in a row after that. But winning two of three at the end of the year last year, including going into Seattle and beating them by double digits to ruin home field for the Seahawks in the division, it's uh, they got a little bit of a more favorable schedule than they did last year. I think they can win eight or nine game nine games, having Kyler Murray with a little bit more experience and throwing in Hopkins and then the veteran leadership, obviously, and Larry Fitzgerald. This could be his last year. I'd like to see him go to the playoffs maybe one more time. Oh, for sure. Um, well, obviously, I think we're going to be talking about Fitzgerald a lot later in the episode when we hit our top five wide receivers of all time. But right now, um, you know, Cardinals, I even said, I think they could. Uh, I think they could improve because last season five and ten. Um, I, I see the Rams falling. I see the Cardinals going into that third spot this year. Um, maybe they could be at a seven and nine, eight and eight. Even let, let's talk about the addition of Hopkins, nine and seven. Who knows? Um, my first riser team, though, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. This one's obvious. This one's obvious. I mean. We'd be stupid not to talk about this. Tom Brady and Gronk coming in, that's all you really need, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know how much they did on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think, if anything, it'll be their weakness. Um, But, you know, you look at this offense. uh, You got Mike Evans. Godwin was insane last year. Got a couple more depth guys there. Tom Brady, Gronk, uh, O.J. Howard, right? Um, Running back. Might be a weakness there. It was talks that. Yeah, I think I don't even know exactly. who the running back is to be honest they, with they, you. They they were talking about trading for Fournette. Um, I'm not sure how many running backs are out in free agency. I think honestly they they should not have many. signed Frank Gore. I the Jets scooped him up, and I think that's a good veteran guy there. But I mean, Buccaneers. If anything, their weakness is going to be a running back position, and um, they're going to have to rely really heavily on the pass game. Now, you know, Logan, you have one more team here, the Risers. Uh, go, Just go ahead and break it down for us, last team for you. Okay, uh, this would have probably been a lot of other teams, uh, or 2019 Risers for a lot of people, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, very disappointing 2019 season, 6-10, uh, and 3rd in the AFC North. Obviously, the only team worse than them was the worst team in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, key departure, Joe Shorbert. Uh, Pretty good linebacker. Uh, I think he went to Jacksonville. Uh, they're going to be missing him next year. But uh, draft standouts, uh, Jared Wilkes. It's a pick they had to make. They had to go offensive line. Uh, by far the worst thing on that team last year was the offensive line. Held him back in a lot of games. Baker Mayfield spent a lot of time running for his life. Uh, they had to make the pick. No matter who was sitting there, they needed an offensive lineman. They went and made that pick. Uh, Grant DePlitt uh, out of LSU. Uh Helps round out that sec- that really young, good secondary. And then, in my opinion, uh, Michigan fan, 
late late round steal in Jonathan People Jones. Might be more of a project, but I think it was a good pickup in the sixth round. Uh free agency, Austin Hooper. Before he got hurt last year, he was on pace to be the best tight end in the NFL. Uh he was putting up crazy numbers and then he ended up going down later in the year and it kind of derailed him a little bit. Uh, Case Keenum, veteran presence behind Baker Mayfield will help back him up a little bit, maybe teach him a couple of things, get him settled into that job. And uh, Jack Coughlin kind of helps round out the very weak offensive line, not a star, but it will help uh, solidify the line a little bit. Uh, oh, for sure. And then, I mean, they have stars all over the field. Jarvis Landry, Aldo Beckham. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, uh, Miles Garrett. They have stars all over the field. Uh, just whether they can bring that together into a team is, is obviously not fantasy football we're playing. It's real football. you got to have a scheme for all these guys. Uh, I see them – I mean, they could be anywhere this year. I, I could see them being third in division. I could see them being number one in division. It just depends if they can – piece all this stuff together. They got the talent to be number one. It's just if they can get there. I mean, maybe division winners if Baltimore falls off a little bit, but I see them in the like maybe a high wild card spot. Now, uh, you mentioned Baker Mayfield, and uh, me and Alex, yes, Alex <laughs> does not like Baker Mayfield, but I'm all right on Baker Mayfield. I mean, they feel bad for the guy. I mean, you mentioned that they needed some help at the offensive line position, picking up Willis and then Conklin having – two tackles that they can hopefully solidify Baker Mayfield not having to run for his life his whole season. But, I mean, if he just gets time in the pocket to get it down to Jarvis or OBJ, you look what he did at Oklahoma. I mean, I know, yes, he had Hollywood Brown, he had C.D. Lamb, he had Mark Andrews, and he had a great offensive line. But you go back to the offensive line, that's all he needs. He needs a line where he can get time to throw the ball, and if he is effective with it, they can win some more ball games. I'd have to be – I'd have to actually agree here. Um, if we were talking about individual players I see improving, I would say Odell's at the top of my list. I see no reason. The season he had last year was just trash, in my opinion. Obviously not enough targets. I don't think he was happy. Um, obviously he was wearing a Richard Milley, so he was flexing on all of us. Um, but I, I see him um, really improving this year if if Baker can get him the ball more. And you know, Dylan and I, we have not shied away from the fact we think if the Browns don't improve or if Odell is not happy, we could see him traded right at the trade deadline. Um, it's definitely a possibility. A lot to be said there. I like all your opinions on the Browns team. Um, a lot to think about. Dylan, why don't you give us your final riser team? All right. Well, my uh, final riser team here is the Buffalo Bills with uh... – TB12 gone in Foxborough. This makes uh, the AFC East almost the Bills' yep. division to lose at this point. I mean, with the most experienced quarterback in the division now, unless the Patriots sign Cam Newton, will be Josh Allen. Yes, he's still got a little bit more work to do. Obviously, you know, he's inaccurate with that deep ball, but getting Stephon Diggs, giving him a solid target to throw the ball to. Yes, John Brown, he's fast, but he can't go up and get it. I mean, Diggs is like 6'3", 6'4". He can go up and get just about anything. Their toughest game only looking at it is the Chiefs. Now, obviously, that'd be the toughest game for everybody. But looking at their schedule, I see maybe 10-11 wins for them. Get New Era Field up there in Orchard Park rocking for a playoff game in January. You know, a little cold, a little snow. Could intimidate some teams. That that division is the Bills' division to lose. 
Um, Jets, garbage. They have been for some time now. Patriots, Bill Belichick is overly confident in my opinion. The defense still holds up, but, but I mean, you have to have an offense too. Like, you think about the Seahawks from the first season they went to the Super Bowl. Their defense was insane. They shut down Peyton Manning, obviously. But they had Russell Wilson. They had guys like Percy Harvin on that offensive side of the ball, which you look at now with the Patriots. Their defense, honestly, like their secondary is really solid. We saw last year the interception numbers they were putting up was insane. The turnover numbers they were putting up was insane. I think at one point of the year, they were almost out yeah. on the offense. But the thing is, if your offense cannot move the ball in any way, what is the point? If we, we, I said, if we were talking about players improving, I would say Odell at the top of the list. If we talk about players regressing, I would say Julian Edelman at the top of my list. And not based on his himself, I say Julian Edelman will not be as, I don't want to say elite, but like not as good because um, Jarrett Stidham is just not it. So then the Bills really should just trample every team in that division. Um, I like the pick there, Dill. Big fan of that pick. One one pick I have now was inspired by Dylan. Uh, After the draft, you know, it really just shaped my views on this one. The Broncos, man. You had Hamler, you had Judy. Great additions to that offense. Gordon comes in in the offseason. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Philip Lindsay. I think his story is amazing. Um, just being undrafted and then coming out and being like, want to say he was the best or the second best rookie in his class, and he was undrafted as the running back position. Um, I see the Broncos not, not, not staying at 7-9. and nine. If anything, they finish at 8-8, eight and eight, but they will not be 7-9. and nine. I think the the spot we see them at would either be somewhere nine and seven or maybe even highest I'd put them ten and six. But I I like them at a nine and seven spot. They improved two games over last season. I see that. Um, one team neither of us mentioned. I think the Giants could improve. Uh, I don't want. I didn't list them as my riser team because I don't want to look like a moron if it goes wrong. But Giants, man, four and twelve last season. <laughs> Eagles, Carson Wentz. Uh, he's hurt. Then they draft Hurts, Jalen Hurts. Um, dumb. Um, then Cowboys, they they won't even pay their quarterback. What kind of message are they sending? Um, they'll pay Andy Dalton before they'll pay their own. Um, and then you're talking about, you know, Giants, Saquon Barkley getting help from Deion Lewis. Daniel Jones, obviously, he's very young, but I see them improving at least one game to 5-11. and 11. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm not. All right. That's everything we've had to cover. But, you know, Logan, we, we really don't – we don't want to completely see you go without just asking you a few more things, you know. How do you feel about this upcoming season? Are you excited? Just, just every everything you're feeling about football. Uh, yeah, of course I'm excited. I'm always excited for football season. But a little worried that uh might not get kicked off in time. I think it will, but – there's still some questions up in the air. Uh, obviously, crowds going to be an issue. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to pack the stadiums or even get half capacity. We're going to see how that all shapes out. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited. I love NFL. I love college football. And I really can't wait for the NFL and college season. 
Hey man, we we just want to say thank you uh, for coming on the show. You, yeah, yeah thanks we for really appreciate it, man. We were we were we were blown Great. away by your preparation yeah. with the notes. Uh, you've set a standard for really everybody who comes on now. Um, just a uh, huge thanks to you, man. And Dylan, I'll let you say anything more before yeah. you go. Just uh, you know, keep it keep going, man, and uh, just stay safe. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see, you see you soon, soon man. All right, we are back for our final segment of the day. We're going to be talking about top five wide receivers of all time, continuing on our series of top five players by position. Yes, sir. I'm eating so, some chillets. All right, nice. I got my Gatorade right here. Actually, I pulled out a Twinkie. I haven't eaten it yet, but. Dude, I once ate a whole box of these Cheez-Its. I can't lie to you guys. I'm big chilling out here, um, vibing. But you know, Dylan. We do have to get through this. The episode's probably about 45 minutes long now. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just start with your honorable mentions, list them all, talk about them, and I'll enjoy some Cheez-Its while you All speak. right. Well, uh, got to start off on these honorable mentions with one of the top wide receivers in our game right now, Julio Jones. Obviously a little too young to put into that top five, but what a career so far. Seven Pro Bowls, 800 catches career, 12,000 yards, almost 100 yards per game average in his career. He's going to be one of those guys when he's all said and done in this 2010s era. He's going to be one of those top three receivers of all time, in my opinion. Also with Heinz Ward, pretty good uh, career there for the Steelers. Six 1,000-yard seasons. Actually ended up his career with 1,000 exact, 1,000 exactly in catches. Two Super Bowl rings. Remember him as that guy in the slot. Obviously won the first Super Bowl that I watched with the Seahawks and Steelers. And obviously won that epic one against the Cardinals in Tampa. Had Isaac Bruce, he had eight 1,000-yard seasons, a four-time Pro Bowler, 91 career touchdowns, had one Super Bowl ring, helped Kurt Warner out a lot in St. Louis, and then ended it out here with Reggie Wayne, 14-year career, six Pro Bowls, three 10-touchdown seasons, and got that Super Bowl ring for Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. Mentioning uh, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison you could put in this discussion. Um, Got like. Big fan of Steve Smith. Uh, you know, if you just looked at him, you know, you wouldn't really expect him to be able to go up and get that ball, but he can. Um, For a little guy, yeah, he really could get yeah. up and go up and get it if he needed to. He was still productive even after leaving the Panthers when he was on the Ravens. He still put up good numbers. Um, and I just – I've always really liked watching him play. Um, Chris Carter, a lot of arguments put him in the top five. Um Great hands. I think it was the Chris Carter of football life. I talk about these a lot with the top with the top guys. They usually make them for them. But Chris Chris Carter ran. I, I believe Larry Fitzgerald was his ball boy at some point while he was on the Vikings, and Larry Fitzgerald really learned a lot from him. Uh, we'll both be talking about Larry on our list, but continuing with honorable mentions, T.O. Terrell Owens, in my opinion. Uh, his personality doesn't put him on my list. I mean, I like I, – I, I think he's very gifted. I just think he can be a little bit dramatic. Mm-hmm. Who um, could forget that uh, epic speech uh, with when he was talking about Tony Romo looking, breaking down and saying, that's my quarterback. That's I mean. my quarterback. <laughs> uh, amazing speech. But, man, you know, just, just a little too flamboyant and dramatic for me. Shadow Joe Cinco. I don't know if I'd ever put him on the list. Oh, not even him. near the top 20, let alone top five. <laughs> You got to mention him when you mention T.O. just because they, True. Ocho they Cinco together. Show. 
Um, <laughs> or the o- think, yeah, I don't know what they called it, but whatever. Yeah, I think um, a few young guys I'd like to mention. Obviously, Dill mentioned Julio Jones. He'll, he'll probably be on uh, the greatest list at some point if he continues to play like he plays. Young guys that I want to mention, Tyreek Hill. We could see him baby in a discussion in the future. Obviously, he can go up and get it. We, we've seen him jump make those jump ball catches but also just the speed is insane and the the routes like those little drag routes no one runs them better than Tyreek Hill Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins you got to talk about him eventually and obviously Michael Thomas some at some point we'll be talking about him in in a greatest discussion um it's amazing I watched Michael Thomas watching a lot of big time college football I watched a lot of Michael Thomas at Ohio State and I never would have thought watching him play for Urban Meyer that he would be you know the top receiver in the game right now he was not used in that offense like a top receiver you know I really like what he was able to do last season he got the record obviously receptions right um Mm -hmm. he did it with multiple quarterbacks because obviously you can make argument Taysom Hill threw what like seven passes in his career yeah he threw probably three or four of them to Michael Thomas exactly and then and then you talk about Drew Brees obviously went out so you have Teddy Bridgewater Michael Thomas was great with every single quarterback, in my opinion. So, really, that's the mark of a great receiver is, like, being great with multiple quarterbacks. Um, obviously, that's going to round out my honorable mentions. A lot was said there. Just guys I thought we really had to say. Some of them too young. Some of them just not quite next level, in my opinion, or something in my mind holds them back from the list. But, Dill, why don't you just – why don't you just go number five on your list? Who is it? Number five is Randy Moss over his 14 career year between uh, most famously with the Vikings and the Patriots. Obviously I think he also had a stint with the Raiders. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. pretty good career though. 982 career catches on 15,000 yards and 156 touchdowns. Six time pro bowler won that comeback player of the year in 2007, where he had the incredible 98 catch. 1,493 yard and 23 touchdown year where he has, I believe he still holds that record for most touchdowns in a single season. Never won that Super Bowl though. Obviously came close in that 2007 with that 18 and one pass that ended up losing to the Giants, but overall pretty good career for uh, number 81. And I believe he also wore 84 at one point with the Vikings. Yes, sir. Um, I'm going to talk about him in a minute. First, I'll give my number number five because Randy Moss is my number four. But um, number five, Michael Irvin. Um, he, I don't. I think he he started that '88 legacy in Dallas, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yep. Well, um, it's gone him does, and uh, I think I saw even now uh, CD Lamb number yep. '88 out there in Dallas. Yep. So, I mean, his 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 game goes beyond. It's like his legacy lives on through that '88 now. You know, you still see him on NFL Network a lot. You still see him on those kind of sports shows, always talking. Um, you always see him doing post-game interviews, I believe, with players and stuff like that. Um, and really, my I like I like Michael Irvin. Um, uh, I would never say he's the greatest, but I do think he, a lot of people would have him on a list. I mean, mm-hmm. um, obviously that dynasty was huge. Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman. Um, and you know, really in that time, you're either a Cowboys fan or a 49ers fan. That's how it was. Um, and so, I mean, the impact that he had on the game, in my opinion, is what moved him to this list because now whenever you see that 88 in Dallas, 
you're going to think of, well, Irvin had it, then Dez had it, then CD, and it's become a story, and he was really the start of it. If he wasn't great, that number did, doesn't mean Jack, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I really think um, he comes in at number five. Um, but a guy that I put at number four, who you had at number five, Randy Moss. And there's a reason I put him here. And it's because there is a reason that you call it getting mossed. That's that's why he's got to yep. be on the He was that original guy that would just, you know, exactly. embarrass corners. And 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 whenever and whenever we're playing in the field, you know, Mason has mossed me a couple times. You guys have mossed me a couple times, and it's like we always say, "Oh my gosh, you just got mossed!" Oh my gosh, you mossed me. We we would have never said that if Randy Moss uh-huh. did not exist. And it, and and I really think, um, you know. I don't think he's the greatest, but I think he, he's definitely my number four. Why don't you give Why don't you give your number four, Dale? All right, my number four was Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, what a career this guy has had. He is, you know, he was that first guy receiver wise. Yo, yo, I watched when I was a kid, and you think this guy is amazing, and you see some of the wide receivers we have now, and you think that's just he's he raised that bar for those guys. Fitzy, obviously, as I said, one of the most impressive careers in NFL history. 17,083 yards and 120 touchdowns over catching just so just under 1,400 passes during the first 16 years of his career, and he's not done yet. Amazing that this guy can still go at 36 years old where receivers and running backs, those are not, you know, those guys don't usually go into their mid-30s and can still perform, but him and, you know, Adrian Peterson on the running back side can still go at this time. 804 yards and 75 catches last year. With uh, Kyler Murray as his quarterback, and I see him for sure getting that gold jacket in Canton one day when he decides to hang it up finally. So, normally when we've done these lists, our lists have been like quarterback lists. We had mostly all the same guys except one, and in different orders, um, or they were very similar lists. Running back was a similar list. We might have had two guys differing, but our top three was the same. Um, now, when you when you go ahead and you look at this receiver list, we have four guys that are the same, but they're in different orders. Um, your number four was Fitz. My number four was Moss. I'm not sure what your number three is, but my number three is Larry Fitz. Um, and it's it, the, the biggest reason that will always stick in my mind. He has more tackles than dropped passes in his career. That's just insane. I mean, yeah, he's played with some quarterbacks that like to throw interceptions. But, I mean, let's say you have 10 tackles in in your career. That means he would have, you know, nine or eight drops over a 16-year career. And that's insane. I mean, that's one, if you average that out, I believe that's only one every two seasons. There's guys out here like, you know, as we mentioned, Eric Ebron during the segment Ooh, with Logan. I mean, trash. he dropped, you know, three or four touchdowns in one season, let alone just passes. I mean, you know, we talk about Nelson Aguilar, uh, trash. Oh, yeah. for we, the were, we was catching babies on like Ag- yeah. Aguilar. <laughs> he can't catch babies. He can't catch anything. You know, there's really no point to Aguilar being in the league. He's on the Raiders, I believe now. I mean, oh, is he? I, he's not an eagle anymore. I he's not an eagle. They, they released him. I released him. <laughs> I, were, I wouldn't blame him. I mean, people were rejoicing. He single-handedly my lost. My man had a rough season. He lost that Lions game for them. Obviously, yep, I wanted yeah. the Lions to win. I'm a Lions fan, but you know, looking at that game, Aguilar had so many drop catches when it mattered. It it, it was almost laughable. Um, but then you look at a guy like Larry Fitz who barely drops. I look at Hopkins, who didn't even have a single drop pass 
even I think it was last year or the year before. Insane to me, those guys. And so um, Fitzgerald, you know, he to do what he does even now makes him one of the greatest of all time. I think, you know, if, if, if guys like who are higher on this list didn't exist, you know, Fitzgerald could very well be the number one just based on hands and durability to play this long. I mean, you think about it, though, you're talking about Heinz Ward playing in that Super Bowl with, you know, Steelers Cardinals, right? Fitzgerald is still playing. And he was in that game, I believe, right? And I believe that was Heinz Ward's last year, I think. And that's crazy to me how, I mean, Fitzgerald has been playing since, what, 04 or something like that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and and every single season, he with some trash quarterbacks, if we're going to be honest, didn't they have Drew Stanton starting at some point? Drew Stanton, obviously. The, well, not Carson Palmer wasn't trash, but they had Carson Palmer at the end of his career. Yeah. And... Kyler Murray, you can make the argument, you know, rookie. But they connected right when Kyler came in, and it's because of Larry Fitzgerald's hands. They're like glue, dude. Somebody needs to test them. Somebody needs to, you know, figure out what's going on because it, it baffles me in, in a good way because, you know, I just – I really like Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I think I've said enough. So, Dill, why don't you say your number three guy? All right. My number three guy is actually with the one guy on my list that you don't have on your list. His name is Steve Largent. One of the best players that the Seahawks have ever had. Obviously, we can debate Russell Wilson, Sean Alexander, Richard Sherman. But of that 80s era, Steve Largent was the man in the Pacific Northwest. A 14-year career with the Seahawks, 13,089 yards receiving with 100 touchdowns and 819 catches. Not too bad of a playing career. Obviously, being shadowed in the 80s with other receivers in the league like Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice. But, you know, he made his money catching passes for scores and not for yards. He led the league twice in yards during um, and once most famously during his uh, 1979 season and then again in the 1985 season. So a little high on the list, but, you know, he was a good receiver. You know, I would always look forward to playing Mutt. And whenever the Steve Largent cards come out, a lot of players, a lot of people do get him. You know, even though he's mm-hmm. an older guy, that's the thing. A lot of these older guys, unless they're Jerry Rice, like a lot of people kind of shy away from that 70s era players. But I think, you know, 70s, 80s, Steve Largent was a monster out there. Um, You know, you look at guys, we, we didn't mention guys like Lynn Swan. We didn't mention guys like Tim Brown, those kind of older era guys. But, you know, I think it definitely was just a different time. And you see Steve Largent, I think you put him in this today's game. I think he's still one of those guys who I think could play pretty well. Would he be as good? I don't know. In a passing I mean, league, though, nowadays, probably as good or better, though. You know, you never know. He would have more career yards than he ended up with if he was playing now. I mean, you look back at it in the 80s, it was more of a running game with guys like Emmett and Barry and Peyton and people like that. And you look at these running backs today and, you know, 2019, you look at Zeke and you look at Barkley, they won't end up with the career stats that Emmett and Barry had because teams are throwing the ball more nowadays. It was just a whole different game. That's As we've said in these episodes, that's why it's so hard to compare eras because the era of football was different in the 80s than it was now. Oh, for sure. Um, all right, so he comes in at number three for you. I had mm-hmm. fits at number three. Our top two guys, like always, are usually the same 
um, or similar, you know. Um, we have the same guys, but in different orders. So we're not even going to shy away from it. Our guys are Calvin Johnson and Jerry Rice, but we've we've ranked them in a different way. This might be controversial, but Jerry Rice is my number two guy. Obviously legendary. I think if the number one guy didn't exist and if I wasn't maybe a little biased, um, Jerry Rice is number one. The thing that separates him from Calvin Johnson for me is – it's not his playing. I think his playing is amazing. I think great receiver. I will never take anything away from him or how he played. But he was on a dynasty, and the reason Calvin makes number one, maybe it's biased, but he has this something that you can't teach, that physical attribute. To be that big as Calvin Johnson and run that fast, you don't see that. He was also stuck on a crappy team, if we're being honest. You can say Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback, he was elite for most of those seasons. Um, but a quarterback and a wide receiver cannot win when you have a trash defense, a trash line, barely any running game besides one season with Reggie Bush. So Calvin Johnson, obviously he retired at 30. Now he's doing some weed entrepreneurship, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. It's whatever. But stuck in a crappy team, Calvin Johnson, a freak of nature. He makes it at number one. But if Calvin Johnson wasn't there, and maybe if I'm not biased, I'd put Jerry Rice at my number one spot. Now, Dill, obviously you have him flipped. Go ahead and give your opinion on both well, of Well, obviously, guys. as you said, I have Calvin Johnson here at number two. Not trying to be biased here. I wanted to put him at number one. But, I mean, you look at his stats. Megatron, as he was called, best wide receiver that I've seen with my own eyes live on TV. This guy could go up, get just about anything. I remember a play. It just came into my head against the Bengals where Stafford just threw up a jump ball and he just casually goes over three guys and just brings it in and scores a touchdown. Uh, over his short career, 11,619 yards, 83 touchdowns, only 731 catches, averaged 86 yards per game. He still holds the record for most yards in a season receiving-wise with 1,964, which he set in 2012, and he averaged 122 yards per game and only 122 catches. That is just amazing. You look back, we were talking about it earlier in our pre-show, that game against Dallas that he had in that season where he had 300-plus yards receiving, and you just don't see that anymore. I mean, I know it was only eight years ago, but I wouldn't see any of these guys, maybe you know, a couple of them going for 300 yards in a game. I mean, you look at Calvin, you have him at number two, I have him at number one. He was 46 yards short of 2,000, right? Mm-hmm. That's insane to me because if he hits that 2,000 mark, I have no doubt everyone would say he might be the best, which is weird to me. Like, think about it. If you say Calvin Johnson gets 2,000 receiving yards, Jerry Rice, like, obviously, nothing bad about Jerry Rice. But then it's like, it's a different thing for me if he had hit 2,000 because then that number, like, you know, is just bigger and has more impact. By saying... 1,964 or whatever. It doesn't degrade it any in any way, but really rounding up, that's two, that's like 2,000 yards in a season. That is unheard of to me. Unheard of. And it's like, that's why Calvin's at my number one. He's just a freak of nature. You can't teach what he has. He was like born with it. And obviously he had to work for it, but just the way he was just so big, so fast and so strong, it's a combination we will never see again. Now, Dill, 
obviously you said you wanted to put Calvin at one, but you're not trying to be biased and you're trying to just do what you feel is right. You put Jerry Rice at number one. Lay it down for us, everything you know. I mean, a lot of people do say this in number 80 being the best wide receiver of all time. 23,000 yards, 197 touchdowns. He would average just about 75 yards per game. But his numbers in San Francisco, when he play, as he played for multiple teams, he was 81 yards per game when he was with the 49ers. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of yards, actually, when passing wasn't that big, obviously, in his era. 13-time Pro Bowler and three Super Bowl rings with that 49ers dynasty in the 80s. Not much other to be said. I mean, I mean, the numbers really do speak for themselves. It was a different era, and he was still putting up insane numbers. So, you know, you definitely never want to degrade him. He's legendary, and his legacy will live on forever. Um, I think that's really all we have to say about this deal. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to draw this out just a little bit more of an ending, but I'm looking at my Calvin Johnson poster right here in my room. And just, you know, it's one of the only things that really can make you be proud to be a Lions fan, you know? Yeah. Saying we've had Calvin. Because I, I have a calendar up that I have never taken down from uh, August of 2018, and I'm staring at Amir Abdullah, and that just, you know, makes me really sad. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking over here. I have some old Xbox 360 video games lined up. Some of them are my Madden games. Right next to each other, I have Madden 25 with Barry Sanders on the cover, and I have Madden 13, which was the year before Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson. Right, yeah. And so it's like to say that we've had one of the greatest running backs of all time, in my opinion, the greatest, and one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, in my opinion, also the greatest, that's the only thing that you can really be proud of as a Lions fan because then you look, mm-hmm. we went 3-12-1 and and last season. If that tie doesn't happen, we were two and thirteen, or what? Two and fourteen. Three and thirteen. Yeah. So three, three, three and thirteen. That's the opposite of what the Packers were, dude. Like mm-hmm. we were so, so bad, and it's like, I mean, oh, obviously we're no longer the only team to go in zero and sixteen. But for any no. Lions fans, thank out you, there, Cleveland Browns. Yes, thank you to the Cleveland Browns. Um, but any Lions fans out there, even any Browns fans, you know, we can extend the pain we felt for these for our organizations mm-hmm. um but yeah that's really all i want to say before i let you yeah. kind of start into the outro deal here all right well uh thanks again everybody for listening today as we said earlier in the podcast these episodes will get better and better as we go on as i said last week also but um we actually have two topics of the three to reveal for next week as uh we're gonna do our top five greatest of all time positions we are going to end the offensive portion of the category with tight ends. And actually, uh, just before the podcast started for this week, we had our guest confirmed for next week. My cousin Alex will be on with us, and he's going to begin our defensive goats with the linebackers. So we'll uh, have to tune in to see who we're going to pick for tight ends. Those are going to be very hard, and we'll see what Alex says about linebackers. I'm actually really excited to do linebackers and tight ends tight ends um you know in eras before they were primarily a blocking position um but today's era george kittle travis kelsey were two of the most important players last season and they met in the super bowl um Mm -hmm. you see the impact a tight end will have you really saw it the most in the early 2000s i think is when it really tony gonzalez and um, kellen winslow yes and then, and then you get into Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham. Then you get into 
um, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. You've seen things like that. The Lions, in my opinion, have always lacked kind of that tight end. We had a Brandon Pettigrew. We had a Eric Ebron. Now <laughs> we look at we drafted TJ Hawkinson because he's mm-hmm. fitting that mold of a receiving yeah, that's tight, the end. tight end in, in 2020. I mean, and, and got the vertical guy that can, you know, yes, he can still go light up a linebacker on a run play. But he can go down there and, you know, go a seam route and go 80 yards to the end zone. I mean, it's an important thing. So I'm excited to talk about tight ends. Linebackers will be fun. We'll start the linebackers is going to be interesting. Tight ends won't be, you know, too hard, but linebacker position, there are, there are some guys, but, you know, you may have to dig for those fourth and fifth spot. Oh, for sure. I already know one guy who will be on my list. I don't want to reveal anything, yeah. but yeah. I don't I, really I know. I think we can agree on that guy, too, if I'm, we're on the same, you know, length here wavelength <laughs> we probably are but we, we never really know um uh-huh. we will be back the podcast will keep getting better we want to thank you for listening and remember follow our social medias our twitter and our instagram at dylan al podcast uh it's important if you want to talk to us reach out to us anything like that we're on apple spotify google other other type of platforms if you want to tell a friend we encourage you to please spread the word and thanks in advance for all that you're, um, all, all, all the things you're doing to support us and, and listen. We really appreciate it. So we'll see you next week. We'll be back. Um, peace. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.